Greetings, brethren. Welcome to the Feast of Trumpets 2023. And this is the day that the world needs, that all Christians have been praying for, and that is going to save the world, but the world is going to fight against it. So let's see how that works. And as you know, all the holy days are listed in sequence according to the calculated Hebrew calendar in Leviticus 23. And God has put them there so that those who know the word of God will understand. Those who don't know the word of God will not understand. So let's pick it up here in verse 23 of Leviticus 23. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Now, these are the words of God. So if anyone wants to know what does God want, all you have to do is read what he has said. And most people aren't willing to do that. And most people aren't willing to believe that. But that's how then we are able to understand what God is doing. Not because we're great, not because we're more intelligent, not because we have anything special beyond any other human being except the Holy Spirit of God, but because we believe God, he spoke it, these are his words, these are to us. Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of ram's horns and silver trumpets, as we find in Numbers, the 10th chapter, a holy convocation. God wants us to come together because with this, we're taught what we need to look to in the way of how God is going to fulfill his word and why we are here. Now, holy convocation. You shall not do any servile work therein. You shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. While today we don't make offerings by fire, we take up an offering. But if you made an offering by fire, you bring in a nice young, nice young bullock or a lamb or a goat and think of the feast with that and think of the cost of it if you look at it at the cost-wise, especially in today's markets when you go to the store and see how much everything costs. You can't even pay for the grinding of meat It's too expensive. (laughs) Okay. Now then, let's come to Numbers, the 10th chapter here, and we'll see what God says about the blowing of trumpets. And then we will see that this is talking about, for on the Feast of Trumpets, the return of Jesus Christ. And so when we 
when we bring an offering, we bring it because we love God and we want to obey God and do his will. And when the church receives it, it must be handled according to the way that God wants it done. To serve the brethren, to preach the gospel, to publish the gospel, to provide for the brethren the things that they need to grow in grace and knowledge. And the whole object of everything that God is doing is contained in Matthew, the 10th chapter. It is sufficient that the disciple, that's us, become as the teacher. That's Christ. And what is it we're supposed to have with Christ? The mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ with the Holy Spirit gives us understanding. Now, here come the Numbers, the 10th chapter. And God again said, the Lord said to Moses, saying, Make two trumpets of silver for yourself, and you shall make them of beaten work, and they shall be used for the calling of assembly and for the journeying of the camps. Now, what we're going to see is that on the Feast of Trumpets, they, they had a memorial of blowing the trumpets from sunrise to sunset. Okay? But all of the functions of Numbers, the 10th chapter, will be fulfilled in the Feast of Trumpets when Christ returns. Calling of assembly. Aha! What is that assembly? Well, we will see. We get ready to come back to the earth with Christ. Okay? And also, the bringing of all of the nations together to fight against Christ and the saints. And they shall blow with them all, all the assembly shall gather themselves to you at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And if they blow with one, then the leaders who are heads of the thousands of Israel shall gather themselves to you. And when you blow an alarm, then the camps that lie on the east part shall set out. So God had a marching order. Now think about this. The Feast of Trumpets is the call of alarm, right? And are we not going to be organized in what we need to do by being on the sea of glass from Pentecost until trumpets? And did God have it all organized, how they should march and where they should go and how the battle should be? Well, if he did that with the children of Israel in the wilderness, Think of what he's going to do in taking over the world. It's got to be organized. We have to know what we're going to do, as we pointed out on the day of Pentecost, okay? Verse 6, And when you blow an alarm the second time, then the camp that lies on the south shall set out. They shall blow an alarm for the journeys. Verse 7, and when the congregation is to be gathered, you shall blow, but you shall not sound an alarm. 
And the sons of Aaron, the priests, shall blow the silver trumpets, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. Okay, and it shall be, if you go to war in your land against the enemy who attacks you, then you shall blow with the silver trumpets and also the ram's horn, and you shall be remembered before the Lord your God, and you shall be saved from your enemies. Okay, then also in the day of your gladness and in your appointed feast. And remember, the trumpet sounded on Pentecost. Okay? And remember, the seventh trumpet is blown on Pentecost. And the resurrection takes place on Pentecost. And in the beginning of your month, you shall blow the silver trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings so that they may be to you for a memorial before your God. I am the Lord your God. Okay? So there's all the instructions. Every one of these in type will be fulfilled on the Feast of Trumpets at the return of Jesus Christ. Since we are to take up an offering on the Day of Trumpets, let's go ahead and take a break and we'll take up an offering. Brethren, thank you very much for your offering. And as you know, we use it the way God wants us to use it. And we give a report every year from our outside accountant for everything that is done with the money that you send in. And as I've mentioned before, we have no debts, we pay no interest, and we pay everything in cash or whatever form of currency it comes in, cash, check, or digital. But they're all paid. Now, let's understand something concerning the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets is shown in the book of Revelation. And the Feast of Trumpets pictures the return of Jesus Christ. And the seventh trump, which is blown on Pentecost, pictures the resurrection. Now then, the return of Jesus Christ is not going to come whom all at once. Because God is interested in repentance. And God is interested that we all come to repentance before him. But for the world, for the world, it's going to be the confrontation of God with the all of the kingdoms of the world. So let's come to Isaiah, the second chapter. Isaiah 2. Now, as we have pointed out, the book of Isaiah especially has so many things that are scattered concerning all the prophecies that take place in the Bible 
that you have to know and understand the sequence of the holy days in order to understand when these these days come. Now here in Isaiah, the second chapter, verse 8. Now the first part of Isaiah, the second chapter, has to do with the setting up of the kingdom of God on earth at the beginning of the millennium. Then it goes backward to the time when the Feast of Trumpets is being fulfilled, and we'll read what happens with all of the nations. Here's what God says. And their land is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. And think of that. Isn't that true, everything that we have? Yes, indeed. And men will be brought low and humbled. Forgive them not. Because there will be a lot of people who won't repent at that time. Okay? Now, here's one we will see a little later on that is brought out in Revelation, the sixth chapter. Enter into the rock and hide in the dust for the fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty, because they're going to see it. And every eye is going to see it for a longer period of time than the world would ever imagine. And they're going to have plenty of time to think about what's going to happen. Okay? Because what's going to happen on this day is verse 11, the lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the pride of men shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. For the day of the Lord of hosts is upon every proud and haughty one. Now we have seen that looking at some of the things that this world elite are planning in their takeover of the world, which is exemplified by the prophecy in Revelation 13 with the two beasts. And upon everyone exalted, who's the most exalted one that's going to be brought low? Huh. The beast who says before he's brought low, I'm God. And they shall be brought low, and it shall be upon all the high and lifted cedars of Lebanon, upon all of the oaks of Bashan, that's all the leaders and their armies, symbolically speaking, and upon all high mountains and all hills that are lifted up, upon every high tower, upon every fortified wall, upon all the ships of Tarshish, upon all the pleasurable craft, See, the day of the Lord, no one is going to escape. Okay? And the pride of men shall be bowed down. He isn't going to get them anywhere. And the haughtiness of men shall be made low. Why? Read the rest of the verse. And the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And what are they going to do? Once they find out, their God, the beast, all of the armies, all of their idols, couldn't save them. 
just like it says in Isaiah 40 and other places where it says, anyone who makes an idol is stupid. Okay? Now, here's what's going to happen. Here's how they're going to humble themselves, and we'll see why that will take place, because this earth and the heavens are going to be shaken like never before. And they shall go into the holes of the rocks and the caves of the earth for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty, when he shall arise and shake terribly the earth. Now, let's understand this. All of this was written in the 800s B.C. All right? So that tells us we're looking pretty close to 3,000 years. Is the word of God true? And will it always happen? Yes, indeed. But there would be a lot of people who would read this and say, well, that's written back in 800 B.C., and that never happened. Well, that doesn't mean it won't, because this is a prophecy. Okay. And in that day, man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold, which they have made each one for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats and into the clefts of the rock, into the top of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord, for the glory of his majesty. Now notice this. When he arises to shake terribly the earth, we're going to see he's going to shake the heavens, he's going to shake the earth, going to shake the dry ground, all the oceans. This day is going to be such an awesome day, and in the fulfillment of it, okay? And remember this, in fulfillment of prophecy, a day is a year, and sometimes even a little bit more. But every one of these prophecies we just read in Isaiah 2, you find fulfilled where? In the book of Revelation. Now let's come to Jeremiah, the 25th chapter. Now this is profound because this means that God is bringing this upon the whole world. No nation's going to escape. No place of safety is going to be safe except that one little place where few of the saints are to preserve the word of God that the church would never die out. But all the rest of the world's going to be affected by this, okay? So Jeremiah was given a vision, and he was given a cup the cup of the wrath of God. And he was to take it to every nation that is listed here in Jeremiah 25, but that is symbolic of all the nations of the world at the end time. And it talks about one king in particular. And let's see what's going to happen. 
And this day, just remember this, no one is going to escape. Now all the saints will be up on the sea of glass. And when all of these events happen, at a certain point, then we're resurrected and on the sea of glass. And a lot of these things refer to the seven last plagues as we find in Revelation 16. So here, verse 26, Jeremiah 25. And all the kings of the north, far and near, one with another, and all the kingdoms of the world which are upon the face of the earth. And the king of Shishak shall drink after them. Okay? And this is drinking of the wrath of God. Therefore you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Drink and be drunk, and vomit and fall, and rise no more because of the sword. I will send among you. And it shall come to pass, if they refuse to take the cup at your hand to drink, you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God, You shall certainly drink. So how about that for being thorough and complete? For lo, I began to bring evil on the city, which is called by my name, Jerusalem. And that's when all of this starts to unfold. Because when the king of the north comes down against the king of the south and then enters into the holy place in the temple that's going to be built, and he calls himself God, this is when it starts. And that brings in the tribulation, which the total amount of time is three and a half years, and it's divided up into certain segments that we will see here in a bit. Okay. So he says to the rest of the world, if I start with my city, Jerusalem, shall you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished, for I shall call for a sword on all the inhabitants of the earth, says the Lord. You want to fight? You want a war? Watch out when you fight against God because the sword of the Lord is swift and sharp and powerful. Verse 30, And prophesy against them all the words, these words, and say to them, The Lord shall roar from on high and shall utter his voice from his holy habitation, he shall mightily roar over his dwelling place. He shall give a shout like those who tread out grapes against all the people of the earth. 
So, brethren, and think about this. The finality of all of this we are going to see when we're on that sea of glass. Now, all that takes place leading up to it is going to be awesome indeed in itself and according to the word of God. Now, here's why. A noise shall come from the ends of the earth for the Lord as a controversy with the nations, every nation on earth. He shall plead with all flesh. That's what it is. And these things come in hopes that there may be some repentance. And we will see, yes, there will be some repentance. Okay. And he will give those who are wicked to the sword, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, evil shall go forth from nation to nation. It's going to encompass the whole world. And a great whirlwind shall be stirred up from the farthest corners of the earth, and the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth even to the other end of the earth, and they shall not be mourned nor gathered nor buried. They shall be as dung on the ground. Why? Because they have all followed Satan the devil, and they have all rejected the truth of God. Now notice how he blames the shepherds. Verse 34, Howl, you shepherds, and cry, and wallow yourselves in the ashes, you lords of the flock, for the day of your slaughter and your scattering are fulfilled, and you shall fall like a choice vessel. Think of that. All you wondrous ministers on Daystar and TBN and the Pope and all of the cardinals and bishops and everything else, pay attention because it's coming on you like never before. And the shepherds shall have no way to flee, nor the lords of the flock to escape. A voice of the cry of the shepherds and the howling of the lords of the flock shall be heard, for the Lord has spoiled their pasture. Okay? Just because God takes a long time to come to this place doesn't mean it won't occur exactly as God has said. Verse 37, and the peaceful pastors are cut down because of the fierce anger of the Lord. Like the lion, he has left his den, for their land is wasted because of the fierceness of the oppressing sword and because of his fierce anger. Now you read the book of Ezekiel, and it talks about the encirclement of doom. And that's what's going to happen. Okay. 
Now then, let's see how else this is going to occur. Okay? Let's come to Isaiah 40. See? This power and this return of Christ to the earth and the setting up of the government of God is such a fantastic and awesome thing. And it's scattered throughout the Bible. And when you put it all together and put all of these scriptures and then tie it in with the book of Revelation, then you get a full scope of what's going to happen. Because remember, Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah before the flood, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And what did God do? He destroyed all flesh. Isaiah 40. Quite a chapter. You read this and you will see how much of the way that the book of Isaiah is written. Different parts from different time frames in the fulfilling of Scripture are placed in different places. And it has to be, as we have covered, rightly divided and put together in order to understand it. Isaiah 40 and verse 3. A voice is calling out of the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Okay. A type of that fulfillment was John the Baptist. But then it goes right into the end. Right where it is when God says he's going to shake the heavens and shake the earth. All right, let's read it. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Now, we will see that as the sign of the Son of Man. And the whole world is going to see this because the return of Jesus Christ happens in three phases, as we will see. Not all at once. And why does God do it that way? Because he's interested in repentance. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh, that is, all those who were alive at that time, shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now think about that for a minute. Whatever God says will be because he's God. And when he speaks it, he means it. All right, let's come to Isaiah 24. Just a few pages back. Okay. Let's see what's going to happen to the earth. And remember that it's to all the nations that are upon the face of the whole earth. Now, isn't it interesting that we have all of the means of communication today to do that as far as other people seeing it visually? Yes, but when God does it, coming from the heavens, the whole world is going to see it, okay? Okay. 
Isaiah 24. And these are really some powerful scriptures here. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste and turns it upside down. How he's going to do that, we don't know. That can be done just by changing the poles. And they know that's been done a couple of times. And scatters its inhabitants. And as it is with the people, so shall it be with the priest. As with the slave, so with the master. As with the handmaiden, so with her mistress. As with the buyer, so with the seller. As with the lender, so with the borrower. As with the creditor, so with the, the debtor. The earth shall be completely laid waste. That's going to happen. See, because everything of man must be destroyed. And think about all the things that men have done to make caves, to have secret places. Well, when God shakes the whole earth, he's going to crush all of those to nothing because they were dens of iniquity for demons and Satan. Okay. For the earth shall be utterly laid waste and utterly stripped, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and languishes, the world withers and languishes, the proud of the earth wither. Yes, it's going to be a day of great humiliation. And the earth is defiled. That's what's happening right now. That's why we're having all the difficulties we are wherever you look in the world. There are problems, there are crises, there are droughts, there are economic factors, there are perversions, and like I have covered with the sexualization of the world, trying to make it just like Sodom and Gomorrah, and that punishment is going to come as never before. The earth is defiled under its people because they have transgressed the laws, laws of God. Change the ordinance. Oh, well, we have Sunday. Aren't we wonderful people? We only defy God and forget his Sabbath, but you come with us and have a good time every Sunday morning because we're good people. Huh. That's coming to an end, right? and have broken the everlasting covenant. Now, when you break a covenant, death is prescribed. That's why all of this is coming. Therefore the curse has devoured the earth, and they who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore the people of the earth are burned and few men are left. See? Few compared to what it started out at the beginning. And everything, everything will be eliminated here. New wine mourns the vines, whither all the merry-hearted sigh, the gladness of the tambourines ceases, the noise 
of those who rejoice ends, the joy of the liar ceases. They shall not drink wine with a song. Strong drink shall be bitter to those who drink it. The city of shame is broken down. Every house is shut up so that no one may come in. Everything comes to an end. Okay. Now let's come over here to verse 19. The earth is broken. Yea, broken down. The earth is crumbling, yea, crumbling to pieces. The earth is tottering, yea, tottering in its orbit. The power of shaking the earth is going to be so mighty, okay? Like a drunkard, the earth is staggering, yea, staggering. And it rocks to and fro like a tree hut that is just in a tree going like this. And its transgressions are heavy upon it, and it shall fall and not rise again. Okay? Because, see, just because the wicked prosper for a while does not mean God is not paying attention. He is, but he's going to take care of it in his way, in his time. That's why we have the Feast of Trumpets. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall punish the host of the high ones that are on high. All of the elite, all of those who worship Satan, the devil, all of the billionaires, all of those who said, well, we are going to make this world a better world, and we know how to do it, so we're going to enslave every one of you and make you serfs and vassals under our feet. Uh, and the kings of the earth upon the earth, and they shall be gathered, gathered as prisoners are gathered in a dungeon. And they shall be shut up into prison, and after many days they shall be punished. And the moon shall be confounded, and the sun shall be ashamed, for the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion in Jerusalem and gloriously before his elders. Okay, so there's a glorious end to it, and we know because the Feast of Tabernacles is coming. So let's go ahead and take a break, and let's come back, and we will continue on with the Feast of Trumpets. Now let's continue on with the Feast of Trumpets 2023, and that means we're one year closer to the return of Christ. Now, let's come to Isaiah 13. This is quite a chapter. Now, you tie all those sections together that we have covered, and that tells you God means what he says, and that sin has a great penalty to be paid. That's why God is interested in repentance. See, 
And we will see, even through the thick of all of this that's going on, that's what he's interested in. And how much more so for us every day as we grow in grace and knowledge, as we come to understand the word of God, as we get closer and closer to the return of Christ, and we see all of these things happening around us everywhere. And we've got to be strong in the Lord. And we've got to know and have that confidence that God is the only one who can solve these problems. And it must be done God's way. But there must be the punishment of the sinners that have caused it. So let's come here to Isaiah 13, verse 6. Howl, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore all hands shall be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. They will realize, hey, we're just flesh and blood. And they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrows shall take hold of them, and they shall be in pain like a woman who travails. And they shall be amazed at one another, and their faces are like a flaming fire. In other words, it's so startling that it's incredible to understand. Behold, the day of the Lord comes. Cruel both with wrath and fierce anger to make the earth a desolation and he shall destroy the sinners out of it. And look what's going to happen. We'll see how this is going to be here and see it in the book of Revelation in just a minute. Verse 10. For the stars of heaven and their constellations shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth and the moon shall not reflect its light. Now notice verse 11. Notice verse 11. Realize this. Whenever there is pleasure in sin for a season, Punishment is on its way. And it's going to come in a way before the day of the Lord upon all of those who sin that they don't expect. And when it comes with the day of the Lord, there is going to be nothing that any man can do, any woman can do, except repent, or die. Let's go on. And I will punish the world for their evil. Now think of that, and you go back and think about what it was before the days in the flood, that every thought of the imagination of the heart of everyone was only evil continually. Okay? And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the tyrants and I will make man more scarce than gold, even more than the fine gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will shake the heavens and the earth 
shall move out of its place for the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger. So that's going to come. Now, let's set the stage on the timing at this point. So what is going to happen? Okay. Now we know, we know from Daniel, the ninth chapter, don't we, that there's a, a last seven-year period called the 70th week. And in the first, that week, each day is a year in fulfillment. And the first three and a half days will look like all men are going to solve all of their problems. Everything's going to be fine. And then in the middle of the week, everything's going to come unglued. And the king of the south will come against the king of the north. King of the north come against the king of the south. And he will take over the area of Egypt and the Holy Land and the different countries surrounding it as well. And then, like it says in the book of Daniels, he will cause the sacrifice and the oblations to cease. And like Jesus said, the abomination of desolation shall stand in the holy place. That's at the beginning of the three and a half year tribulation period. And the three and a half year tribulation period, we'll talk about the sections it's divided into here in just a bit. Okay? That's where the one who is the beast power and all the world worships, worship Satan and worship the beast who gave him his power, Revelation 13, and all nations and every have power over all of them. Now, let's set the stage for how this begins. Okay? Let's come back to Revelation, the sixth chapter. Now remember this, Revelation 5 tells us that nothing is going to happen on the earth except that it is orchestrated from the throne of God. And everything is written in the scroll sealed with seven seals. And those seals are opened up in sequence. And the first seal that is opened up is the great false religion that's going to encompass the whole world. And the whole world will follow it. And they will worship the beast as God in the flesh. Okay? And, as we now know, they're going to have a new Bible written by artificial intelligence. And when they're done with that, the whole world's going to rejoice and be happy and come together because God has given it into the hand of Satan to do that. Okay? So that's the first seal. Then the second seal, the beast power comes into power. And then when... He enters into the Holy of Holies. 
That's when the tribulation begins, as Jesus said in Matthew 24. He said, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, let the one who reads understand. Now, that last phrase was put in there by John the Apostle when he was canonizing the New Testament because the temple, when he wrote the that phrase in there in canonizing the New Testament, the temple was gone. Yet in Revelation 11, the two witnesses are there, and God told him to rise and measure the temple. That's why it has to be built. Okay? Now then, when it comes to the point that the great tribulation begins. This is when Israel goes into captivity wherever they are. And they will be in captivity for two years, as we find in Hosea 5.21 and chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And at the end of two years, it says... God will raise Israel up. So at the end of two years is where we are when we enter in to the events in verse 12. Okay. There's going to be two years of war, two years of tribulation, as it's called, but that's not the day of the Lord and that's not the wrath of God. Okay? Now, right in the middle of that, at the end of two years, God is going to make his first visible intervention in the world. And all of these other scriptures that we have read up to this point will begin to be fulfilled in rapid-fire order for the next year and a half. Now, we'll see that in the book of Revelation. But let's come to verse 12. Okay. This brings us to the sixth seal. This is when everything changes. This is when God shakes the heavens, shakes the earth, and everything in it. Now, he shakes it more than once. And remember this. Satan is preparing the world for an invasion from outer space. So here we see the first phase of Jesus' return. Now, there are three phases to it that we'll cover. First one is here. Verse 12, when he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as the hair of sackcloth, and the moon became as blood. We read that, right? Yes. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree cast its untimely figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Then, all right, here's what's going to startle the world. Verse 14. 
Then the heavens departed like a scroll being rolled up together, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Shaking of the heavens and the earth, right? And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the powerful men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains, just like we covered in Isaiah, the second chapter, see, written 3,000 years ago. Now here we see the fulfillment, right here at this point, okay? Now, at first, they're going to really be thinking that this is the return of Jesus Christ. But something happens that they change their mind. And that's because of what occurs with this. Okay. And they said to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of his wrath has come. Just started. Okay. Who has the power to stand. Now, what is this when the heavens are rolled back like a scroll? What's that going to reveal? Okay. The first phase of the coming of Christ. But it will take more time until he and the saints come on the earth, and that's what the Feast of Trumpets is all about. Now, let's pick it up here. Matthew 24 and verse 29. Okay. Matthew 24 and verse 29. It says, But immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, Revelation 6, 12. The moon shall not give her her light, Revelation 6, 12. And the stars of heaven shall fall to the earth, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Okay? Now, why have the heavens rolled back as a scroll? Boom! So that everyone can see this. And everyone is on the whole earth is put on notice that God, the creator who made heavens and earth, is intervening directly in the affairs of this world. Now, when it's rolled back, then what's going to be? All right? We'll see it right here, verse 30. Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. What is the sign of the Son of Man in heaven? Okay. So Christ is not going to come, boom, right to the earth. He's going to roll back the clouds, the sky, the heavens, and there's going to be the sign of the Son of Man. He's giving them notice. I'm coming, everybody. I'm coming. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn when they shall see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Okay? 
Now, what is that going to be like? And how long will that be? The next major event is going to be the resurrection of the saints, but that won't take place for another year from the opening of the heavens. So what do we have? We have here in Malachi, the fourth chapter, where it talks about the son of righteousness shall arise. So the sign of the son of man in heaven above is the son of righteousness as depicted in Malachi, the fourth chapter. So there will appear out there in the heavens because they're rolled back as a scroll, there will appear another sun. And people at first are going to be startled. And we will also see this will lead to a great repentance because God is interested in repentance. Right? All right. Malachi 4, verse 1. Behold, the day is coming, burning like a consuming oven, and all the proud and every doer of wickedness shall be stubble. And the day that comes shall uh, burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, and shall leave them neither root nor branch. Now, this can also be carried out to the time of the lake of fire. Okay? But this tells us not yet in verse 2. But unto you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise. That's the sign of the Son of Man, Matthew 24. So the heavens roll back as a scroll, and boom, there it is. Another sun. Now, it doesn't come close to the earth. It's out there somewhere. How far away from the earth, we don't know. But there it is. So there will be a time when this is there, and this will be there for one whole year. From Pentecost to Pentecost. Now, and healing shall be in its wings, and you shall go out and grow up like calves in a stall. Okay? Now then, let's come back to Revelation 6. Let's look at the first reaction that God wants in showing the sign of the Son of Man and rolling back the scroll, the heavens like a scroll, so that this sun can be seen. And they know it's from God. Okay? So here's what happens. Revelation 7. What do we have in Revelation 7? We have the greatest mass repentance ever in the history of the world. Starting with the 144,000 of the children of Israel. So after the heavens roll back and everything's shaken, everything's shaken out of its place, then there will become a calm. And that calm will last from Pentecost to trumpets. And in that period of time, 
the 144,000 and great innumerable multitude of every nation, every language, they repent. That's what God wants. And those who repent in Revelation 7 are likened to the parable of the laborers to go into the vineyard and work. And when the Lord went out there at the 11th hour, there were those who hadn't been employed. And he said, has no man hired you? He said, no, Lord. He said, will you go work in my vineyard? And I will pay you what is right. And so all of these, 144,000 in great innumerable multitude, represent the last of the workers who are converted in that last year, given the Holy Spirit and sealed because of their repentance, and God sends an angel to seal them with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, then with that calm, from Pentecost to trumpets, all of this is going to take place. Now, one thing to understand, because when you read Revelation 7, it looks like that they go to the throne of God. But that doesn't happen until the resurrection. And the resurrection doesn't happen until the seventh trump sounds. Right? The last trumpet. Okay? So, picture this. This repentance begins on Pentecost. Huh. Go back. When did the church start? On Pentecost. What happened there at the temple? 3,000 were converted that very first day because they all heard them speaking the word of God in their own language. Right at the temple. Now, here it is. Children of Israel in captivity, others are in captivity. And the heavens roll back as a scroll and the sign of the Son of Man. Another sun appears out there in the heavens and they repent. They understand Christ is coming. And so these are the labors of the 11th hour in the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Now then, we come to chapter 8. Now chapter 8 begins the real war and destruction of angels against men and demons. Fighting each other. Okay? And we have what? We have the seven trumpet plagues, right? Okay. And the seven angels were given each a trumpet and to sound their trumpets. So let's go through and read this. And this ties in with the account in Joel, the second chapter, the army of God, see. So let's read it. 
Chapter 8 and verse 1. Now when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel who had a golden censer came out and stood at the altar and much incense was given to him so that he might offer it with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar that is before the throne. Look at all the new saints newly converted here. See, because the fifth seal, all the saints are killed except those in a place of safety. So here, these people then are praying to God and thanking God and and being converted, right? And God hears their prayers, just like with us when we go to pray. God hears our prayers. He answers our prayers. He leads us in the way we need to go. Sometimes he answers right away. Sometimes his answer is, No, sometimes his answer is, okay, later I'll answer that prayer. But he always answers. Yes or no or later. Verse 4, And the smoke of the incense went up before God from the hand of the angels with the prayers of the saints. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and cast it to the earth. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. Another earthquake, see. When he shook the heavens and the earth, there was a big earthquake back there in chapter 6. Now here's another earthquake, okay? Then the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound their trumpets. Now, God is directly intervening. Satan is going to respond, as we see in chapter 8. And then the battle is going to be between men and men and angels and demons. These are going to be the battles such as never have been seen on the face of the earth. So the first angel sounded is, and there was... Hail and fire mingled with blood and was cast upon the earth. The third of the trees were burned up and all green grass was burned up. Second angel sounded his trumpet and there was cast into the sea as it were a great mountain burning with fire and a third of the sea became blood and a third of the living creatures that were in the sea die and a third of the ships were destroyed. Boy, that's something. When God intervenes, You know, like the old saying, oh, like Job said, oh, I wish that God would speak to me. Boy, did his attitude change when God spoke to him, right? You don't really want that. You want to be first on God's side with his blessing, with his spirit, with his protection. That way, then, you meet God in peace. Back here to chapter 8, 
Verse 10, the third angel sounded his trumpet, and there fell out of heaven a great star like a burning lamp, and it, it fell on the third of the rivers and on the fountains of waters, and the name of the star is Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from drinking the waters because they were bitter. And the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and a third of the sun was smitten, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third part of the day did not shine, and likewise a third part of the night. Everything's going to change. All of these fantastic measures that are coming upon the earth, orchestrated by God and the angels, are going to be absolutely startling. And even yet in this, we'll see in just a little bit, God is interested in repentance. Will any repent? Well, the answer is very few, if any. From this point on, they don't. The greatest mass repentance was in Revelation 7. Okay. Now verse 13. And I looked and I heard an angel flying in the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, Whoa, whoa, whoa to those who are dwelling on the earth because of the voices of the remaining trumpets of the three angels who are about to sound their trumpets. Now, how far on down into that last year and a half is that going to be? We don't know. Okay. Now, notice, all of these trumpets are numbered one through seven. There's the first, there's the seventh, and the seventh one is the last one, and that's the one for the resurrection of the saints, right? Yes. So we go from Pentecost to Pentecost. Boom. The resurrection. Okay. But here with the fifth angel, okay, let's see what happens with this. Now this becomes even more intensified with Satan and the demons and and men fighting against each other, and demons against demons, and, and it's it just a, a great massive mess of war. And the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth, and there was given to him the key to the bottomless abyss. Now this star is an angel who descended from heaven. Okay. Now, he opened the bottomless abyss. That's the prison of the demons. How many are there? We don't know. But when these come out with a great plague, it's going to be awesome indeed. So when they came out, verse 3, then the locusts came under the earth, and the smoke and power was given to them as scorpions of the earth have power, and it was given to them that they should not damage the grass of the earth, because there's a space of time of four months, right? And whenever grass burns, if you have any water, what does it do? It grows, right? The grass has no understanding about all of these things going on. It's just grass. God made it so it's in the soil, 
And if it's dry, it won't grow. If you give it water, it will grow. So a third of the grass was burned up previously. So now, with this space of time between, and probably rain as well, now there's grass. So you don't, you don't hurt the grass of the earth, nor any green thing, nor any tree, but only the men who do not have the seal of God in their foreheads. Okay. So this means God is giving protection to the 144,000 and great innumerable multitude. And it was given to them that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. So five months, huh? All right. From Pentecost to Pentecost is 12 months. From trumpets to trumpets in a leap year is 13 months. Okay? So that's probably what it's going to be like in that last year. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings a man. And in those days men will seek death but will not find it. And they shall desire to die, but death shall flee from them. Okay? And the appearance of the locusts was like horses prepared for war, and on their heads were crowns like those of gold, and their faces were like the faces of men, and they had hair like women's hair, and teeth were like those of lions. Okay? Now then. Great weapons, demonic weapons. And they had breastplates like iron breastplates, and the sound of their wings is like the sound of chariots being drawn by many horses running to war. And then it says here, and they had tails like scorpions and stingers, and they were given power to injure men with their tails for five months. Now notice verse 11. And they had a king over them. The angel of the abyss. And his name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and his name in Greek is Apollyon. Satan, the devil himself. The first woe is past. Behold, the after this, two more woes are still to come. Okay. Then a sixth angel sounded in the greatest army in the history of the world, 200 million stretching from the Far East all the way to the Holy Land. They're gathered to this battle. All of the, the armies don't come all at once. Some of them come. And then the river Euphrates is dried up so they can come and fight. Okay. Now notice what happens. Great destruction and a third of men died because of it. Okay. Now, verse 12. And I saw the horses in division and those sitting on them who had fiery breastplates like that of Jathaneth and brimstone and the heads of the horses 
like the heads of lions and fire and smoke and brimstone shoot out of their mouths. And by these, a third of men were killed. Great slaughter, all right? Such as never has been by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone that shoot out of their mouths. For their power was in their mouths, for their tails are like serpents and have heads, and with them they afflict wounds. Now notice a very key thing here in verse 20. All of this going on, what is God interested in with those down on the earth at that particular time? But the rest of the men who were not killed by these plagues still did not repent. Repent of the work of their hands, that they might not worship demons and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and wood, which do not have the power to see or to hear or to walk. And they did not repent of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thievery. Then we have chapter 10, quite a chapter, seven thunders. We don't know what they are because God never told us. And you can't go back and look at the seals and look at the, the other plagues that took place and say that you understand what they're going to be. No, because God never revealed it. But then there's another warning given to John in chapter 10 that there is yet to be a preaching of the gospel of repentance because God is interested in repentance. Now, then we have come to the seventh trump, which is the resurrection. So we have Pentecost, 144,000, Great innumerable multitude converted. Then we have the next Pentecost, the seventh trumpet sounds, Revelation 11, and all of the dead are raised. And as Jesus said, the angels take them into the air. And where do they go? Well, Revelation 15, as we have covered many times, shows to a sea of glass. And we're all there on this sea of glass. So how does that sea of glass get there? Well, we have that second sun that is out there that the world is seeing for a a whole year. And then all of a sudden, just before the seventh trumpet sounds, that sun comes streaking toward the earth. And then, whoo, becomes a great, sea of glass. And then all the saints are going to stand on it. All those who are resurrected. We find that in in chapter 15. Okay? Chapter 15, verse 2. And I saw a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who had gotten victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass with liars. Yes, we must be taught because 
from Pentecost of the resurrection to Pentecost of the return of Christ and the saints is a period of about four and a half months. So as we covered on Pentecost, all the things we need to learn, all the things we need to understand, and then the marriage of the Lamb and the bride and the wedding feast, and then the preparation for war. See? Now, this is when we all see the seven last plagues when we're standing on the sea of glass. And this is going to then draw all nations to come and fight against the aliens on the sea of glass because we will be aliens. They won't know us, see. And today is the world being programmed by ancient aliens? Yes, the programs on television and digging up these old civilizations and finding their gods and what they wrote about them. Huh. So they're going to say, they're going to say, aliens are coming to invade the earth. And the world's going to believe them. All of us up on the sea of glass, we're going to see the seven last plagues poured out. And they are going to be mighty indeed. And those seven angels who have the seven last plagues are going to pour them out right out of the, the cups or the vials that they have of pure gold. And they're going to pour them out on the earth. Okay. So let's come to Revelation 16 and we'll see it. This is the finality of the day of the Lord. And that day runs from trumpets to trumpets. And Revelation 16 is the finality of it. Revelation 16 in verse 1, And I heard a loud voice from the temple say to the seven angels, Go and pour out the vials of the wrath of God onto the earth. Now here we are in the sea of glass, and we can see the throne of God, and we can see the seven angels given these seven last plagues. Okay? And we can see them go one, two, three, Four, five, six, seven, right? Let's read it. And the first angel poured out his vial onto the earth, and an evil and grievous sore fell upon the men who had the mark of the beast and upon those who were worshiping his image. And the second angel went out. Now look, understand, all of these weapons of God he always uses, Right? You go back and read the plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians. Same thing. Okay. Second angel went out and poured his vial in the sea, and it became blood like that of a dead man, and every living sea soul in the sea died. 
Huh, how about that? All those who believe in mortality of the soul, the word there is suke, which is translated soul in the King James. They didn't even understand where it said that all the souls in the sea die, and that means all the living things in the sea. Okay, so the soul can die, even in men and in beasts. Verse 4, the third angel poured out his vial in the rivers and the fountains of water, and they became blood. Now, how do the angels look at these things, having known the whole history of mankind and what all men have done and Satan has done and the demons have done? and bringing this great evil upon the earth. Huh? These are horrible and terrible and unbelievable plagues. But how do the angels look at them? Verse 5. Then I heard the angel of the waters say, You are righteous, O Lord, who are and who was and even the Holy One, and that you have executed this judgment. For they have poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another voice from the altar say, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Yes, to bring these things upon Satan and the demons and the men who follow them. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and power was given to it to scorch men with fire. And the men were scorched with great fire and blasphemed the name of God, okay, who has the authority over these plagues and did not repent to give him glory. Again, even in all of this, God is interested in repentance, right? Okay. So then the fifth seal is poured out upon the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues because of the pain, and they blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, yet they did not repent of their works. Again, repentance, see? The sixth angel poured out his vial upon the river Euphrates, and the waters were dried up so that the way of the kings of the east from the rising of the sun might be prepared. Then I saw three unclean spirits, okay? In order to bring all the nations together, the final deception on them occurs right here in verse 12. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs, Come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons working miracles, going forth to the kings of the earth, even the whole world, to gather them together to the battle of that great day of the Almighty God. See, that's going to be something. See. Then here's a little inset verse for all of us. A little warning for everyone who has the Bible and can read it. Verse 12. He says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is the one who is watching and keeping his garments, 
So not only is God interested in repentance, but he's also interested in what? Faithfulness. So that he may not walk naked and they may not see his shame. And he gathered them, all the armies he gathered together to the place that in the Hebrew tongue is called Armageddon. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from heaven, from the throne saying, it's finished. It is accomplished. It is fulfilled. And there were voices and thunders and lightning. There was a great earthquake, such as what? Not since men were on the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. Verse 19, and a great city was divided into three parts and the cities of the nations fell and Babylon the great was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fury of his wrath and every island disappeared and no mountains were found. Remember where we started? Isaiah 40, every valley shall be exalted and every hill shall be brought low on the mountains. Okay, and great hail each the weight of a talent, 180 pounds, fell down from heaven upon men, and men blasphemed God because of of the hail, for the plague was exceedingly great. Okay? Now then, here comes the final fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets. And whenever there's an ending... There's always what? A new beginning. So with this ending, there will be a new beginning. That's why we have atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles coming quickly. So we find Revelation 19, everything that took place there, the marriage of the Lamb, and we all know what we're going to do, and then we come to verse 11. And here is the final thing that's going to happen on the Feast of Trumpets. All the saints, from Abel, through all the patriarchs, through the kings, through the prophets, through the apostles, through all the saints, through all the ministers, through all the people, for all of those who love God and serve him and believe him and have received their rewards. We all have our assignments. We all know what we're going to do. We're all assembled to go, and Christ comes. Verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness does he judge and make war. Yes, Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and his head on his head were many crowns, and a name written that no one knows except him. And he was clothed with a garment dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. So that goes back to John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay. 
and the armies in heaven were following him. That's us. That's all the saints. Everyone in the first resurrection. We're all organized. You don't go on an attack if you're not organized and what you're going to do and what your goal is and what you have to accomplish. Right? Right. Following him on white horses. And they were clothed with fine linen, white and pure. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he might smite the nations. And he shall shepherd them with a rod of iron and tread the winepress of the fury and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his garment and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And yes, he is coming to take his kingdom, to take the world, to bring it peace, to bring it love, to bring it joy, to bring it prosperity, to complete the plan of God. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, To all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come, gather yourselves together to the supper of the great God. So all of the flesh and all of the blood, God is going to clean up immediately, and all of these birds are going to come from wherever in the world to come to this great feast. And it's going to be quite a thing to see all of them devouring the flesh of these men because the flesh is going to fall right off their bones so that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of chief captains, the flesh of the mighty, of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them in the flesh of all, free and bond, small and great. And I saw the beast. And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war with him who sits on the horse and with his army. They don't stand a chance. Like it says in Zechariah 14, their flesh falls right off their bones. And you think about what a bloody mess that is going to be. And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, verse 20, who worked miracles in his presence, by which he had deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. That's their first death. And their second death will be the same thing. And the rest were killed by the sword of him who sits on, on the horse, even the sword that goes out of his mouth. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. Now to summarize all the events leading to the return of Jesus Christ and the saints on the earth, let's just do a quick review on the three phases of Jesus' return. Number one. The sign of the Son of Man in heaven, which shines from the east to the west, which is the Son of Righteousness of Malachi 4.1. That happens on Pentecost. The great innumerable multitude and 144,000 repent and are saved. 
Then one year later, the second phase of the return of Christ comes, which is that the sign of the Son of Man comes down toward the earth, and when it gets into the atmosphere, it will burst out into a huge sea of glass. The resurrection will occur. We'll all be there from Pentecost until trumpets and all the events that will take place on the sea of glass we cover on Pentecost. Then the third phase of Jesus' return is with all the resurrected saints together coming as the army of God as we just covered in Revelation 19. So, brethren, the meaning of the Feast of Trumpets is great and awesome, and various parts of the Bible bring it all out. So I took a little extra time to make sure we covered everything this Feast of Trumpets. So have a good Feast of Trumpets and prepare for atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles, which are coming, which are likewise great and wonderful Feast of God. And so we can say, Amen.